Can't do it. Good work, Reed. You're better <laughs> oh, than I thought you were. How old is that video? Big brown bug bit a big black bear. Bit a big black. Big brown bug bit a big black bear. Big brown bug bit a big black bear. That's probably a shout out to Reed. Dan. Are you really recording right now? Oh, yeah. Oh, oh my crap. gosh. Lord have mercy. <laughs> This is the Baymall Podcast with Marty Solomon. I'm his co-host, Brent Billings. Today we are joined once again by a special guest, Maggie Billings. Welcome back, Maggie. Thank you. And today we're discussing Marty's favorite Christmas movie, The Nativity Story. Marty, defend yourself. <laughs> I I just love this. I am so biased. I hope Maggie just doesn't rain on my parade today. You're welcome to have things that you don't love I... about this movie. That is perfectly acceptable, and I will take it. But I love everything about this movie my family watches this movie every year on christmas or christmas eve one of the two we watch this movie i just love what i see as historical accuracy this was before chosen days or anything like that i love that whenever i turn it on my son goes poe dameron is joseph <laughs> Yes, I was going to mention Oscar Isaac <laughs> was in this. I love it. Uh, I don't so know. many things I love. I don't know if he did that much before this, but he certainly has gone on to do many things after. Mm-hmm. So yeah. I think most people will know Oscar Isaac. Uh, Keisha Castle Hughes plays Mary. Okay. She went on to uh, be in Game of Thrones, I guess. Yes, oh, yes. I recognize that. I Sorry, I'm not supposed to. Everybody gets mad when I say I like Game of Thrones. <laughs> I haven't seen it, so I, I haven't seen it. The, yeah. Yeah. It's only it. me who's going to hell, everyone. The Billings, <laughs> Brent and the I are Billings fine. household remains holy yeah. That's right. and undefiled. <laughs> yep. But but here's where here's where Maggie gets thrown under the bus. Directed by Catherine Hardwick. Don't who okay. went on to direct Twilight. Uh, I know. Oh, I wait know. a minute. Were you a Twilight fan back in the day? Are you a Twilight I, fan now? No, I am not now. Okay, I have okay. I have grown in wisdom um in the last implying that there was a day. Were you there team Edward? Absolutely or what's was a day on? when I waited in line to see it at midnight. Ooh. But not the first one. I think she only did the first Twilight. Uh, I did not. Yeah, as far as I know, she only directed the first one. My best friend had to be like, no, it's good. It's good. Come with me to see it. And I was like, no. She was right. I liked it. Team Edward or? What's that? Team Edward or which? What team are you, what team are you talking about here? You the know, back in I the day, I was Team Edward. Now I'm Team Nen- Nunzo. Okay. All right. yeah. <laughs> Come on, Bella. Be single. Think for yourself. <laughs> be a strong, independent. You know, now that I think about it, perhaps some. Uh, Perhaps I have no. come to understand what is going on in this movie that we're talking about today. Oh, no. Why? Tell us more. What do you mean? Mary. Maggie and I are both perplexed. Mary and her complete lack of expression in almost all Very circumstances. Bella. Yeah. Man. Oh. Maybe Catherine okay. Hardwick's got a... She's like, hey. I you like know, that. I did think about that. As we were talking about Chosen, I'm listening to Maggie talk about what she liked about the Chosen last episode. And part of that's part of what I actually like about Mary's character. They're trying to do the same dance that Dallas is, probably not executing it in w- as well in some regards. But I got used to it. It was mm-hmm. like this. But yes, you're right. She with has the like nativity this, story. Yes. Yeah. Like just this stone wall. 
Um, micro expressions micro, that's great. full of smiles <laughs> across the movie but yeah, that's, that's so true yeah. that's some so of true. her most expressive moments were perhaps uh as elizabeth is giving birth and mary is in the room <laughs> i think she's realizing she's seeing her own future <laughs> and is slightly terrified at the prospects of it yes <laughs> which i mean i feel like she probably would have been around for other births you know sure. in her family but who you know whatever yes I'll, yeah. I'll allow it what, what other what other moments of like actual expression breaking through for mary the well the we... first one and the last one that we see for a while until she sees <laughs> elizabeth is at the beginning when she's with other you know, kids her age and she's acting like a normal or how we would expect a normal, um, you know, young teenager to act. Um, and then we get reminded, I think, of the political reality that she lives in. And uh, that's that's the last emotion we see in Mary for a while. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I imagine that a lot of that. I hadn't really, really thought this through and as much until listening to Dallas talk about making the chosen. But um, I imagine a lot of that came from if you're going to make a movie that has Mary in it, you've got to really, unless you're just going to chuck it all under the bus, you've got to really be aware of how you're portraying her for any Catholic audience. Mm-hmm. And I think the way they chose to do that definitely maintained a um, a, a, a holy otherness to her character. I felt very um, Our Lady of Perpetual yes. Sorrow, yeah, yeah, which yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. chronologically yeah. I feel like doesn't quite work. Because if you're going by the seven, um, Mm -hmm. what is it, the seven sorrows, Mm -hmm. the first one is the prophecy in Luke Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, 2, Simeon's prophecy. mm -hmm. And everything we see in the nativity story is before that. But there's definitely a, um, just her portrayal is very, um, yeah, very heavy, I think. Not nearly as human. Yes. Yeah. Far more sacred. Yeah, exactly. She has a special purpose and um, there's a weight to that. I right. Think. And I think we're just, are we jumping all over the conversation yeah, here, Brent? Gonna, yeah, we can't, we can't walk through this scene by scene. There's no way this, much. it would take too, way too long. So, so I felt like I enjoyed, not the merit, like I totally affirm what you're getting at with the Mary character, um, but the relationship between Mary and Joseph mm. I enjoyed that portrayal, and and there's more to it. Obviously, a longer movie, far more a part of the story board that they're building. I enjoyed that relationship portrayal far more than I did the Chosen episode last week. Just because I felt like they were, like you said, acquaintances in the last episode, I feel like that was even more so, because she didn't Mm -hmm. know who this guy was. Um and she she's growing in her like appreciation respect of him and there's this distance and at the and, beginning of the movie she's got eyes for another guy yeah, much closer her age meanwhile joseph is noticing mary but she doesn't know he's even there until yeah. she walks into her home one day well no he brings her the donkey after the romans come uh-huh. and they start taking everyone they take uh-huh. the other young girl oh that I was before okay okay and joseph sees like because they, um, they're that's gonna, right. the Romans are going to take Mary's father's donkey, and it's mm-hmm. this whole. But that's all I have. That's all I have. I'm like, well, sorry. Um, and when Mary's father walks away, one the guy turns to the other guy, the Roman turns to the other, and goes, "Kill it. We have enough." Yep. So it's just this like they don't even care. Mm-hmm, they're just right. taking the take. And then Joseph shows up and has, has you know, given them money to have the yep. donkey back. 
has redeemed it. What a guy. Oh, man. Joseph. But yeah, but again, like last episode, too, portraying Joseph slightly older. She's got eyes for a guy his age, like her age, a peer. And yeah, she probably knows Joseph as one of the older guys and like older guys, whatever. Slightly older than her in the village. I just, it was so culturally, I think I was just, when I first saw the Nativity Story years and years ago, I was so unused to seeing anything with any historical awareness chosen has changed that in a lot of ways for me. I, I loved how they portrayed the Romans coming into the village, the taxation. I loved the betrothal scene. Like anybody that listened to us do the under the hoopa and what happens with a betrothal. I mean, other than the exact language of this is a cup of a new covenant. I mean, they everything we talked about was in that betrothal scene mm-hmm. from the father and Joseph. And he goes to, I'm going to go, I'm building a house for children. Like, oh, it's just so... That's one of my favorite. Like they nailed the betrothal scene. And that scene that. in particular, I feel like the lack of expression from Mary is completely appropriate. Absolutely. I, sure. So I wondered about this with the scene and maybe you have thoughts on this, Marty. I felt like there it was so and I guess this is a theme throughout the movie, but with the betrothal scene, it felt very anticlimactic. Like she just shows up and they're like, you know, Joseph. Mm-hmm. You're going to marry him. And that's it. They drink. The whole thing is very awkward, mm-hmm. which I am, yeah, mm-hmm. like as it sh- probably should be. Would Do you feel like it would have been that way in real life? Would that have been more of a celebration? Would they have? I liked how they portrayed it. I'm sure that there were, everything was probably different. There's probably no monolithic experience. But I do think in my, in the way I understand history, it was an agree, it was an agreement between houses, families, Dads have already, you know, Joseph and the father, Mary's father, have already made a, a deal. She's being informed. She knows this is how it works. Mm-hmm. Like, she hates every moment of it. I'm kind of sure they did, too. You watch her in the next scenes, like, losing her childhood. She goes mm-hmm. from there to the well. She sees another young girl there about her age with a little newborn baby. Yeah. Like, she's watching. Her her friends run past as they go to play and flirt in the fields. And those days are now gone. Like, I do feel like there would have been this super awkward, that was their experience. We have our own awkward moments in our culture, the sure. way we court and date and and whatever. That was theirs. And it's not better or worse. It was just their experience. And- now, if that was normal at that time, would she, like, if you're, if I'm a 13-year-old girl and I know that I'm probably going to, my parents are going to set me up with someone who's however many years older than me. Mm-hmm. 11 years in 11 the case years. of these actors. Okay, mm-hmm. okay. And then 10 in The in the Chosen. I, I don't actually know that for sure. I couldn't find Raj Bond's birthday. Oh, just going okay. off the actor ages? Okay. Yeah. I'm, just the actors. Based yeah. on when he went to school and sure. stuff, it's okay. around 10. Okay. This okay. one is actually 11 years. So okay. either way, like a considerable yeah, age right, gap, right, right. especially yeah. if you're a teenager. Uh-huh. Yep. But if this is your culture, is that normal? Do you... Do you expect that? Do you even allow yourself to have eyes for another 14-year-old if you know, like, this isn't how it works? That yeah, guy's going to get married in 10 years. I'm going to get married this month. Like, <laughs> Yeah, I think it would have been enough of a – it could go either way. Like, you don't know. Um, I don't think you would have kept yourself from having – like, I don't think that would have been like, oh, maybe. I think there were probably lots of ways where you ended up marrying a childhood mm. peer. What I liked about what the Nativity Story did is they made it – for better or for worse, I'm not saying this is good or bad, but I think it's historically accurate. Here's this guy, Joseph, who is using his means, young guy. I mean, who mm-hmm. knows where his means come from, but he's using, there is like an economic reality that's driving the, there's an, not just economic, it's honor and economics. 
Like he's helped the family out. He's, he's, he's giving to them. He's looking out for them. He's protecting them. And there's also an honor, like this arrangement is being made because there's a, not just a financial transaction. I don't mean that in a shallow way, but like a meaningful economic relationship mm-hmm. between Joseph and Mary's family. And, and they, that's I, a, I that's a good the, reason why you would have been married to somebody. Yeah. There was an economic reality and a reason why that man gets chosen. I can't remember if it's the mom or the dad who made a comment, um, something to the effect of like, oh, we have, you know, Joseph will be able to take care of you better. We've got, you know, so many people yep. or whatever. Mm-hmm. And the mom was also like sharing some, she's like, Hey, you know, it's going to be okay. Joseph's a great guy. Uh, I got married even younger than you are now. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I think, you know, the, I think the ideal would be the wedding ceremony, which is coming up in a year. I, I think they said literally a year, but yeah. like sometime later, like Mary's going to have a chance to warm up to the idea She's probably going to get to know him a little bit more, maybe not directly, but she's at least going to be able to like, oh, hey, I heard, uh, I heard, you know, you and Joseph are betrothed. Like, oh, you know, Joseph did this thing for me this one time. So she's going to have a chance to know him a little better. And I think we would expect a much bigger celebration for the wedding ceremony. Mm, Sure. But maybe, and maybe there were some cases where it's like, oh yeah, I know this guy. Um, That's actually not the, I was, I was, uh, you know, thinking it might be worse than that, but this guy's pretty (laughs) decent. I know who he is. And so maybe there's a little bit more of a celebration Mm. at that betrothal moment. But yeah, I think in a lot of cases it would be like this where it's like, okay, uh, this is how it works, but this isn't necessarily what I was thinking, you know, mm-hmm. half it, an hour ago in the field. <laughs> it is interesting. I've, I've noticed my response to these kinds of situations in movies has changed as I have become a parent. Ooh. Because a Little Mermaid is another great example. But I watch these, you know, there's always, there's often this theme of, but this is the guy I love. Don't tell me, you know, don't tell me what to do. I want to marry for love. Okay, sure. And I'm not going to, we're in American culture where like, yes, absolutely. But I can, I've, it's easier for me to see it from the parents' perspective, especially in this movie. It's right after the Romans come and they've, this other family has this young unmarried daughter who's not betrothed to anyone and they can't pay. So this Roman guy just whips her up and she's gone. Right. <clears throat> And yep. in theory, if your daughter's married, I imagine that is less likely. Um, so for that to happen, and then pretty much right after, Mary is much more secure. And she's this whole like, well, why can't I, you know, why can't I marry someone I love? I see it way more from the parents' perspective than I, you know, would have 10 years ago mm-hmm. um, to just go, yeah, like, well, sorry, you're going to, you're right. going to have to grow into loving Joseph um, because mm-hmm. our priority is your, your well-being. And, and that's not to say that that worldview is necessarily the right one mm-hmm. or better than ours. It's just, it's, we, we can look and understand historically like, oh, this is a world that's like wildly different mm-hmm. than the one that we're used to and that we live in each and every day. But mm-hmm. um I like the portrayal of Joseph, but I do love having like, I I do really appreciate all of a sudden being in a room with Maggie in it and a female voice going, like, wait wait a minute, why am I, well, I'm fixated on the Joseph character because I'm a male looking at, but I I liked his portrayal, hopefully not in a bad way or misogynistic way. I just liked, he was this person with, they don't overdo his means. Like he's not walking around in like wealthy robes, but he's obviously got means. He's on his own in Nazareth. He's building a 
uh, houses, families in Bethlehem, all, all all historically accurate to the story as I understand it. Um, and and they never overplay it, but he's this he's this person with means and integrity. He's this mm-hmm. person with he's a servant minded Enneagram nine. I mean, I don't know. I'm just, <laughs> I'm just joking around, but like he's this servant minded, generous. Um, character and integrity throughout feeding the donkey giving of himself she sees that on the journey to bethlehem she's starting to warm up because she's seeing his character and integrity and i i like that i don't want to lose the character of mary in that at all but i love the two of them together Mm -hmm. the the sanctity and holiness and role that mary plays and the character and integrity of joseph as the it's just i like that part oh yeah i love Joseph's probably one of my favorite parts of the movie, so yeah, he's I'll let you Amber, have so. it. And it's Oscar Isaac. Come on, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Somebody saw this portrayal and and thought like, oh, Oscar Isaac, that guy, he's going places. He's going places, and he has. <laughs> he you know has. what? I, the other thing I liked about this movie um, was their portrayal of. We talked about in the last episode the references to like cultural shame. This movie like directly put mm. it in front of you in very effective ways. I loved how they were leaving the village and they're like, well, they're going to miss us. That was a great line. That yeah. was so good. I love the like, <laughs> it's awkward. Nobody likes us. But I feel like even that line itself, I think, shows like, OK, they're bonding. Yep. Even even at this point, just over the fact that like nobody, yep. nobody likes them. Right yeah. those, those had to be some fun scenes to shoot. Like, Absolutely. Okay, give me your like most disgusted, nastiest look you can as yeah. these people walk by you. Disdain. Oh, and the Ruth character can get it done too. She has some, she oh. has some scowls for the dream sequence that Joseph has. And the... <laughs> okay, here, here's a, the dream sequence um, reminded me of this. I feel like, okay, this movie, I feel like as a Christian, especially for, you know, 2006, is that when it was filmed? Yeah. Like uh-huh. you said, there's nothing yeah. else like right. this. Yeah. Um, we have The Chosen now, but right. still, this movie kind of stands alone. I feel like as a Christian, we can watch and go, oh my gosh, so amazing. When I have tried to watch this with people who did not grow up, and I can't even really say I grew up in the church, but like I knew the stories. Yeah. If you don't know what's happening and you don't know the story, you have to explain a lot of this. Even that that dream sequence of the stoning, sure. yeah. you have to stop and explain, okay, here's what we mean. Because you have this scene before, or when she shows up pregnant, and yeah. they're talking at Mary's parents' house. Yeah. And he goes, if I claim this child is my own, I'm lying. If yeah. I, um, what does he say? If I divorce you, or if I accuse you, and he doesn't say it, but as mm-hmm. Christians, we know, oh, oh if he yeah. accuses her, they can all go get rocks and kill her. Right, right. But if you're not a Christian or you don't yep. know the story, yeah, sure. like, so I do feel like yep. I'm always a little oversensitive to that. I feel like sure. when we have sermons or movies or whatever, where we yeah. just leave things and expect people to fill in the blanks. Right. I appreciate when they fill in those blanks because sometimes you're watching this with people who. And there's a know. lot of that in this movie. It's mm-hmm. part of the reason why I love it because I don't want the movie to do all that sure. explanation, <laughs> but you're absolutely right. And there is a lot. Which is why I like it so much because I'm like, oh, that connection, that connection, that connection. Mm -hmm. But I'm doing all of that in my own head because of the things that I would know about history or culture. Mm -hmm. And that's lost upon many viewers. So then follow up question. Yes. Um, Earlier. Sorry, I'm going way backwards. Earlier in the movie when um, Elizabeth and Zechariah are at the temple. Yes. Zechariah puts these, I'm sure they have a name, these big panels yep, on. Ephod, yep. Ephod, okay. So he goes in, God talks to him, he yes. comes out, 
rips them off. Yep. And but it is everyone who's watching seems to be it's this hopeful, positive thing. Mm-hmm. But like, he oh, seems, he's seen a he's seen a vision. He's seen a vision, and Elizabeth is like, oh, like everyone mm-hmm. else looks happy and excited, but he rips this thing off. Yeah. Throws them on the ground. Is there something culturally Jewish to that? Or is that he's because I've always when I've watched it before. Oh, he's just frustrated because, you know, whatever. He's never been given a child. And now he's yeah. wrestling with all this. Or is there something to ripping off the ephod? Oh, man, there's so much in this scene. Um, so, hey, the fact that and we used to talk about this at the church that um, we all attended at some point we preached on this. But like there is a um, they would have had being barren. There would have been a cultural stigma to, they would have assumed that God's judgment is on Zachariah and Elizabeth. Doesn't mean that they're horrible sinners or not going to heaven or any of those kind of things. It just would have meant they would have been like, well, whatever they've done, like God's mm-hmm. deemed them unworthy of childbearing. And that's their struggle with infertility. And that, that would have been like the cultural, almost um, superstitious stigma sure. behind it. And now the priests, so Zachariah would have gotten chosen two weeks out of the year to serve in the temple. So he's there that week for one of two weeks for the entire calendar year that he's going to serve. And then whoever goes into the temple is drawn by lots. Mm. So the day that the lot falls to him to, would have been a huge, who knows how many years he's gone in there and the lot never comes to him and everybody kind of like glances out of the corner of their mm. eye. Like, well, yeah, of course, like you're the, They're barren. you are the judged one. Like God's never, and then the lot falls to him that day. And so that's going on behind, like he, we don't know. Maybe he's done it before, but we don't know that. And he goes in maybe for the first time ever in his priestly career to actually put the incense on the, which by the way, I loved the way they depicted God's presence with the smoke moving with mm-hmm. the breath. Like I was like, oh, that's great. That's yeah, a voice, great way to yeah. do that. Um, but then, so he has his experience and I love the, oh, there's so many things I want to talk about here, Maggie. Um, <laughs> so, so, so he has the experiences. He comes out and I've always viewed that. So they're immediately like, oh, he just came out of the presence of God. They're kissing the ephod, which I almost hear like, remember in the book of Judges, how Gideon makes the ephod and they all start worshiping it. Mm -hmm. Like they already have a tendency to like overplay the ephod. And he he looks down at their like, just kind of like ridiculous distraction Mm -hmm. and just kind of out of disdain, grabs the ephod and chucks it on the ground, which is a huge deal. But trying to like, oh, quit. Like God, like God is here and God, I just heard from God and you're all this, you're like wanting to kiss the ephod. That's how I sensed it. Okay. Now you, you would never want those to touch the ground. No, no. And Seems they all freak out when they hit the ground, like they're grabbing yeah. it or whatever. Maybe, but, maybe charitably for the people who are kissing the ephod, the story of, of, uh, Moses. Yeah. And, yeah. And he's like, oh, well, um, yeah. I can't show you my face, but I'll show you where I just was. Uh-huh. And so maybe it's something along those just lines. In the it's presence like, of God, sure, absolutely. Yeah. yeah, not not all like ridiculous, but I think he sees it and just has compared to what he's just experienced. Yep, he has this disdain for that. Now, what I have loved, and I thank our Bema listeners for this too, because they ask this question on Slack all the time: How come Zachariah gets judged for questioning God? Mary essentially asks the exact mm-hmm. same question and and gets like praised and and kind of buttressed. And I 
And you can't explain that, well, there must have been something different. Zachariah's response kind of presumes doubt, and Mary's response presumes service. And that that can be in there. I even think you can make some cases from the Greek in that. Boy, after we've gone through John and mm-hmm. learned about how that Greek construction can assume a negative uh-huh. or a positive you response, go back and I wonder if there's yeah. anything like that. Yeah, and I believe that those are uniform and consistent. But I also think, like... This is not a net sum zero game. Like there is, I think one of the things we see in that is God does expect you. There is a male priestly privilege Mm. that Zachariah, God expects more from what he's supposed to steward. He's just walking around in the holy place where women aren't even allowed to go. Like he expects more from him. And yet here's this young girl. And I don't think it's a, it's a sum zero game where they're all starting from Mm-hmm. I just think it's helpful for us to recognize, like, God expects more from some of us. Like, we're supposed to steward some of the influence or privilege or stuff that we're supposed to use that mm-hmm. for his purposes, for the sake of others. And I just thought about that when I was thinking about that episode, because mm-hmm. he definitely receives judgment in the story. Yeah. And Mary receives honor. And the reaction is similar. I've almost thought of it as a, like, Zechra, like, you know better. And right. not that Mary doesn't, right. but like you said, like she's not, you know, she's a totally different, mm-hmm. she's not been allowed to be, you know, as much a part of synagogue and things. So a little more grace for her questioning. And I would almost imagine even like, yeah, ask questions like mm-hmm. you, you know, wrestle with that, Mary. Like, I'm not going to, I'm not going to give you all the answers, but just, yeah. I think it's great. Well, unfortunately, the NET doesn't have any indication in the notes uh, one way or the other. Well, shoot. How that's constructed. So yeah. no commentary. I'm just looking through my notes. Things I loved. I love the portrayal of the three, the the Magi. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I love that. They worked three in some Magi, tradition. but you know, whatever. Yeah, they used a tradition. They gave them the same names. Mm-hmm. They used a very historically plausible theory about, we talked about in our episode, uh, you can even link it in the show notes, Brent, uh, Written in the Stars, I think was the name of an episode where we discussed the Magi. And you even saw them, they got a Hebrew text delivered to them. Mm-hmm. They're putting their their understanding of astrology together with Hebrew prophecy, together with, like it was this collision of science and pagan history and Jewish prophecy and this collision, which is pretty much what we described and portrayed in that episode. Episode uh, 89. Okay. I, I just love their characters throughout the whole movie. A, it was comedic, but it was also done. Yeah. I liked it. Are, the names aren't in the text, are they? Not in the text. They're in they're in church tradition. Church tradition. Mm-hmm. Yep, but not in the text. Um, let's I, see what I else did enjoy I... their uh, interactions with each other as the the good like the humorous three, uh, yeah, three stooges. <laughs> I mean, not, <laughs> I but yeah, they're like far, but yeah, no, they're <laughs> like had... the comedic relief of the movie. They've been working together for a long time. Yeah. And they know each other's you know foibles and intricate or. Uh, uh, Quirks. Yeah, quirks. Yeah. Definitely like the portrayal of Herod and mm-hmm. his family. Maybe a little overdone at times. Maybe the cheese uh, factor going up a little bit, but I thought they portrayed him very... His portrayal, or excuse me, his paranoia mm-hmm. and oh, yeah. his brilliance. The paranoia would definitely... And and his, his like, oh, you know what? I just had an idea. Why don't we put another pool up there and have it yeah. flow down into this one? Exactly. So... Yep. Uh, like, make everybody stop working so I can talk to you without being bothered. So yep. frivolous, so impulsive. Yeah. Yep. Herod, yeah. I appreciated much better. His son, <laughs> not as impressed with his portrayal. Another 
emotionless. Yes. Yeah. Not emotionless, but yeah, very unchanging face. I, I mean, love in, the... in some in some moments, it's like you know when Herod's when Herod's going on about you know what if you don't do the things the way I want you to, I'm just going to kill you because I've already killed some other people you're related to. I won't hesitate to do it to you too. And so, you know, in, in a moment like that, I can see him just be like, just Frozen. okay. Oh. Yep. Yep. <laughs> Staring straight ahead, trying not to like, I mean, really like if he's, if, if my dad's already thinking that, like, I don't want to give him any reason to yeah. act on it now. I don't yep. want to, I'm just going to try to play it cool and live to see another day. 100%. Uh, I liked how they put, I liked and hated the shepherds. Um, like mm. they made them kind of marginal. Um, definitely. I think Joseph even makes a comment about how they they spend their whole life out here mm-hmm. on the fringes of society. I love the, the, the discourse and the dialogue. I love how they played that. The, the gift line, boy, talk about the weepy every year mm-hmm. for me part of the movie. The line where, you know, what, what's your gift? I don't have one except mm-hmm. the hope of yeah, I'm waiting. maybe getting one and then how that swings around later uh, at the birth, at the stable. And during um, the birth, they didn't say a single word, which was yeah. crazy to Shepherds me. Yeah. We're speechless. Yeah. Which could be fine. I mean, yeah, that's fine. Sure. It just it yeah. just seemed weird in a in a production sense, but I love the collision while we're talking about it of the Magi showing up. And I know that's very mm. unpopular theory. Everybody's like, well, the Magi showed up two years later. I'm still unconvinced. Like I've yet to have anybody show me why that's rock solid in the text. I understand how people put it together that way. I don't see any evidence that it has to be that way. And obviously I, I love the collision of outsiders at like the whole like it's just beautiful like the whole scene at the end you have this cave a winner for me <laughs> you have this the outsiders of the shepherds combined with the outsiders of these super well wealthy academic pagans mm-hmm. and they're all colliding on the same stable it's just beautiful like yeah. it is that is it that that is the image that i have in my head. I, yeah. I love it so much. This is another, this was a moment where Stone Cold Mary Stone <laughs> was Cold. really, really uh, at the top of her game. <laughs> they're just, just handing, I mean, they're, they're like, hey, here's a box of gold. Yeah. <laughs> Have you ever no even seen this much money before? <laughs> I just felt like there were, there were so many key moments through the movie where I'm like, that should have been a big deal for Mary. Sure. You know, like Joseph's like, I'm not going to accuse you. Yeah. Or like, yeah. You know, we're the angel appearing to her. Yeah, just no. I'm like, come on, Mary, and maybe she was saving it for uh-huh, for uh-huh. the for Elizabeth and for the birth. Uh-huh. But I was like, man, that's a big deal. Like, you're uh-huh. not gonna die tomorrow, yep. Mary. Come on, man. Okay, so while we're talking about it, I want to get Maggie your opinion. Compare the two. Not that one has to be better. Maybe they're equally the same in a lot of regards. Compare the birth scenes um, between the at last week's episode with the chosen and the nativity story. So here's the thing. There yeah. are two births in the nativity story. And this is this is why I have um, it, nativity story loses points for the birth of John because oh. that baby was oh. like six months old. Oh, and that yeah. baby well, he was huge. Yeah. Rolls oh my gosh. On that. Yeah. And like babies can come yeah, out yeah, big. Yeah. Like he's, I've got a friend who gave birth to like he's a 13 like pounder fighting at home. in the UFC. Yeah. Like he's, he's, <laughs> that, he's rock. that guy was ready to get a job. Yeah. Like. Pretty job. But like. 
I mean, whatever. Huge chunky babies, that's a thing. Didn't even but think there's about also that a difference between a newborn chunky sure. baby who can't hold its head yeah. and like this huge thing. <laughs> also That was shaking mom's hand as it came out. <laughs> right. Hi. I'm John. I'm here to I'm here to prepare the way. But um and I didn't I didn't look for it in that scene, but we specifically noticed, so jumping forward to the birth of Jesus, yeah. there was no cord. Yeah, you and, see you see the baby come out from under the blanket and get uh-huh. lifted way up into the air. Uh-huh. And they cut around this. They were going back and forth in the chosen, so mm-hmm. you don't actually see like you don't see it, but you also don't see that it's not there. In this case, there is very clearly no umbilical cord. Free flowing Jesus in the womb of Mary, just well. unattached. See, yeah. I felt better about the nativity. I'm biased. Really? I felt better about the nativity. Because even as he holds him up, I felt like it, just the lighting and everything, I'm like, I could. Like, there's not such an easy exchange. There's a cut scene. Okay. There's a couple different camera angles. In my mind, because I, I know there's no cord there. But <laughs> in my mind, I was like, there could have been a cord. Like, there was enough messiness. The baby mm-hmm. is There's a little bit not, of blood still, on that baby. Yeah, still not. Same, not similar to the very... I feel like that part was very similar to The Chosen as far as how they, but there was enough. He's got this like raw, he's like this weeping, shaking, emotional mm-hmm. as he lifts this. And that, there was the one in The Chosen is like, he literally takes it out from the blanket and directly hands it to her. Yeah. So there's definitely no quarter placenta happening It was a very there. midwifey move. <laughs> yeah. And this one was like, well, maybe there was a placenta and a cord and they just cut around it. So like, I know oh, it's yeah. not. But. Yeah, I felt like, and I do feel like the, uh, baby Jesus in uh-huh. the nativity. That baby seemed younger. Yeah, Brent was younger. like, "What do you think?" I was like, yep. mm, yep. "I don't yep. think that baby's older than six weeks. Like, yep. totally newborn ish." Um, and so finally, she that. has expression because I was a little she worried. Expression. She lacked so much expression. I'm like, "How are they going to do the birth scene?" The first time I watched it, but she definitely had pain, yeah, labor, and relief. I think yeah, when yeah. he was out, this like sigh of relief, like, "Oh my gosh, we got just we just got through that." Mm-hmm. Um, so I I appreciated that. I yeah, I think. I just feel like in, and again, like we said, this movie, the nativity story is so far in quality above anything else up to this, sure, up right. to this point. Yep. And, um, and for feature length, still, yes. still yeah, top yeah, yeah. tier. Yeah. Um, but I just feel like the birth of Jesus in movies and churches, you know, whatever drive through nativities yep. and yep. the little figurines that we all have. And paintings, it's so sterilized. sterilized. And I, I, I know why it is. And I think we're torn between this, like, oh, well, it was holy, and we want to, you know, yep. we want to honor that. But I also think, like, something that we, you guys talk about a lot is holy and easy and like clean and sterile are not right usually the same. Right. And like I would say in in a totally different way, like I would call my births holy as well. I think anytime that you brush up against your, I don't know, mortality, you do something that you're like, I cannot do this. And God is like, I'm yeah. here. Like that is holy. Um, birth, life is holy. Um, so like, I get it. But I think just we clean everything up. I'm like, I want to see a birth of Jesus where there's like blood everywhere. Yeah, how powerful. Yeah, I was throwing up through my labor. Like, Like, if you actually did that production, like how, like you could, and there's probably really bad ways and good ways to do it, but like, can you imagine the cleaning up the son of God nature of how that could honestly wreck, like in a beautiful way, artistically wreck the viewer of the, the 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 collision of the divine and the human yeah the holiness and the common 
Like, mm-hmm. what a great opportunity. Somebody's got to do that out there. Oh, well, yeah. And we've talked about the contrast between Herod and the Herodium and being right there, uh, you know, right mm-hmm. towering above mm-hmm. Bethlehem and the contrast between, you know, how Jesus came into the world and what he was up against, you know, what the world thought was like, oh, that's the pinnacle. That's the ideal. And yes. then, you know, the God of the universe comes into the world in this totally different way. And, and you're you're robbing the story of that power of that contrast. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. God comes in the mess of birth. Okay, Brent. So here's your question I have for you. How did you feel about the compared to like, say chosen's approach? How did you like the angelic mm. scenes between the angelic choir or even the appearance to Mary and Gabriel or, I, I mean, I wasn't a huge fan of the uh, pillar of light shining down through the perfectly placed hole in the stable. <laughs> yeah, that, was a, that was a great spotlight. The star had on the set. Not a huge fan of that. But I how feel about like the that other would have tipped that off to Herod. Like, hey, didn't those guys just say they were looking? Well, it's funny because up to that point, like they, it was not like this, like obnoxiously bright uh-huh, shining right? star in the sky. Yeah. It was just like three relatively yeah. yep. pretty bright. items in the in the sky Mm -hmm. that were converging and it's like okay that is something that astronomers or astrologers would take notice of Mm -hmm. uh but not not this like not not a literal spotlight shining on it you know so it it was an interesting you know Mm -hmm. shift as they got to that scene Mm -hmm. that they you know fell back into the traditional production part of it what about the other like lack are there are special they, effects or lack thereof or approaches to i mean they were they were you know a little bit ghost-like in their portrayal uh-huh. which you know it's fine uh-huh. whatever white robes like you know there's only so sure. much you can do uh yeah. i did the the teleporting angel uh <laughs> where he was way off in between yeah. the trees with mary and sudden, boom he's right there he's yeah. like whoa dude yeah yeah <laughs> another like moment where he's like that? mary don't be afraid i'm like she did not look afraid at all so. <laughs> she didn't look afraid but man i would be afraid <laughs> she didn't need you to tell her that <laughs> if i if i looked and saw some creepy dude off in the distance and then looked back and everybody around me was suddenly gone and then i look back and he is three feet from me <laughs> i would definitely be afraid horror movie stuff right <laughs> <Yeah>. there <laughs> I have nightmares about that. But not this Mary. She nope. was stoic as can be. She's, she's got it. No flinch. Not shaking. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I liked it. I love the clever part of the dove. It's just so hard to do the other. Like, it's so yeah. hard to do the colors and the special yeah, effects and that, that the totally. Chosen tro- chose to do. Or Well, and like I said, it's like, I don't know. This is... What would it have been like? Yeah. yeah. We, we don't yeah, know. We no, and I I've never seen it done well. And yeah. yeah, and like I talked about fair. last year with the Shepherd episode, like I don't know, like I don't know what I would do differently. It doesn't feel right, but I also don't know how to make it feel right. Yeah. So it's like, yeah, they, I think everyone they did what they could. I imagine everyone who is going to, you know, do a depiction of this is like, here's how we're going to do it, and it's going to be good. And I think, yeah, just because we have no reference for what it was actually like, like just always going to miss it. <laughs> It's going to be fine. Just expect it to be cheesy. I will say the cinematography was, you know, whatever, um, for the most part. And then some, somehow, like, and I don't know if this was the editors. I don't know if this is color grading. I don't know if this was an intentional choice. But, like, the colors got bonkers in the last half of the movie where everything was, like, weirdly green. Like, like we cut to from one scene to the next. And, like, the next shot was so different. Mm-hmm. And, and then there were a bunch of shots after that where they were kind of bounced around with the color balance. And I'm like, 
are they trying to say something about like, oh, this is the, I, I, I don't I know. I kind of know what you're talking about. I don't yeah. know what was going yeah, on, sure. but there were some like weird editing choices. I regular like. people like me don't notice that stuff. Like it's one of those things, he did this to me last last <laughs> season with The Chosen too. It's one of those things where I don't realize I notice it until he says something and I'm like, oh yeah, hey, yeah. I did notice that. Yeah. 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 And a lot of times it, it, it's more subtle and it's like, okay, I understand how I would notice that and other people wouldn't. But like this was such a big change from sure. shot to shot without even like, they weren't going to a different place. I don't even think. It was the think. same scene that you yeah. noticed it in. Yeah. So it was, it was kind of weird. I don't know. Huh. We, we, I forgot to look up where this was shot. Do you know huh. where this was shot, Marty? I don't, but I do appreciate, like I literally have followed the scenes and the landscape and been like, is this fit? Is this right? right? And I actually think they nailed everything like going around the sea of galilee yeah. going down the rift valley having to cross the jordan the right size of jordan like i mm-hmm. i just feel like the landscape part of it i don't know where it was shot but it, they did a great job finding the right terrain the right landscape i liked it a lot yeah okay so they shot it in italy and morocco okay so oh, morocco's okay. not far yeah <laughs> a question about uh, as i'm thinking about their traveling scenes um also a donkey also a donkey always with the donkey so what in this case the donkey was given to them and he wasn't going to take it and he's like no no yeah yeah Yeah. okay okay so i feel like in these scenes of joseph and mary traveling there are other people but it's not a caravan does that there's Mm -hmm. points when they've got people right behind them and he kind of you know helps or whatever um and then but then they're (laughs) sleeping by themselves in the desert i feel Mm -hmm. like my understanding of back then is like you got to travel in groups because it's not safe to travel alone yeah culturally is that yeah and i was struck by the crowds they do travel with which makes sense because of the census Mm -hmm. there would be people coming but you are you are right there are spots where they're totally on their own yeah well like when she goes with the family Mm -hmm. to visit elizabeth that would be typical that kind of caravan traveling with a family coming back with a family that's what you would expect mary and joseph on i've never necessarily thought about that but yeah i think the ones where they're with people i would almost expect more than like that like when he feeds the donkey the the piece of flatbread tortilla yeah <laughs> and, like, a, like a mission tortilla and they're like literally in the middle of nowhere with yeah. barrenness and yeah Maybe maybe all the people are just behind the camera. Maybe they're just, just shit, yeah. They're introverts like I Camping am. Right, right. Shows the, ex, the outskirts <laughs> of the campsite. Yeah, I did find it particularly amusing when uh, when Mary's like, "I'm going to go visit Elizabeth. I'm going to go with these people. I can help them with the children." And then she proceeds basically not to do anything with the children. She's like walking behind the. Parents. <laughs> yeah, we see nothing of her. Helping. There's like I think there was like one shot where she was like leading Carrying them or something. I don't know. Yeah, but <laughs> yeah. Very funny. That's funny. I didn't think about that, but yeah, you're right. <laughs> just say what you have to say to get mom and dad to tell you yes and maggie when we were watching i think you had a comment about the foot washing thing yeah i um so we kind of get this montage of like oh look at joseph what a guy Uh you know he um he gets her down the hill on the donkey safely when the family behind it like yeah um and then he gets her out of the river that whole thing i think it's that scene that night or that day he's he's crashed i think they're on the side of the river still he has he has fallen asleep and she gets something out and washes his yes. feet. And I was yes. like, ooh, I yes. liked and I hadn't noticed it before. I think of, oh, like, oh, Jesus washes feet. This is, but I just like the idea that 
Jesus learned that from somewhere. Uh, I like, love that. Mary was chosen for a reason. And yep. I think her yeah. her heart to serve and mm-hmm. um yeah. I just mm-hmm. I just liked that little moment of like, mm-hmm. hey, this is this is an example of what Mary had to offer to mm-hmm. the mm-hmm. Messiah. Mm-hmm. Um like I'm gonna show oh, you how man, to learn. And that people. fits so well with what we talked about last episode with the chosen's portrayal of Mary knowing her text so well. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's like, man, who knew his text better yep. than Jesus? Yeah. And if you want to say like, oh, he had to get Absolutely. that from somewhere. Yep. Like if God's going to pick somebody like, okay, she doesn't need to know the text. And yet she does. Mm-hmm. She right. has a hunger for it. Well, yep. we don't know how long Joseph was around. We right. Don't. So, mm-hmm. you know, Mary yep. did the single, not that being a single mom was exactly the same in that culture as mm-hmm. it is now, but I think yep. she carried a big load of parenting. And- yep. Did a good job, obviously. Mm-hmm. Yep. Okay. Well, what do you think, Marty? Have you have you defended yourself? I think so. What a great movie, everybody! This what a five star. What a five star <laughs> five experience. Stars. Okay. Absolutely. What a five star experience. I know that Brent and Maggie obviously agree with me, so we'll just <laughs> put that link to this movie in the show notes. And now, yeah. traditionally, movies are rated on a four star scale. Yeah, I'm, so I'm adding a fifth. You're still it's going that five. Good. Wow. It's that good. I mean, uh, I think more or less everybody's switched to a five star scale all around. But I just absolutely okay. I like. You. That's what it is. All right. Uh, well, Maggie, thank you for um, yes, thank joining you, us. Thanks for having me. In person. This is lovely treat. to record. Marty and I have not recorded in person in what? I don't know. Two and a half, three years. What? Yeah. Here we oh, are. A lot more space one. these days than we used to have. Yeah. Yeah. We're in We're in the basement. Not as ideal acoustically, but <laughs> definitely more comfortable. Yes. <laughs> All right. Well, that'll do it for this episode. Uh, If you want to get a hold of Marty, you can find him on Twitter at Marty Solomon. You can find me at EIBCB. And you can find more details about the show at BayamaDiscipleship.com. So thanks for joining us on the Bayama Podcast. We'll talk to you again soon. By the way, if anybody uh, likes the whole fictional... Who could Mary or Joseph have been? Mm-hmm. You're talking about um, learning, like learning this from Mary, learning this from Joseph. Uh, and other channels, I have plugged uh, C.T. Guile's book, When God Was a Boy. Mm-hmm. We can make this a little postscript plug for that book was a very entertaining and interesting and a good way read. I thought it was delightful. Okay. Storyline is like right on the edge of, is this too crazy? Which is right where you want the storyline to be. Perfect. What do you mean? What do you mean story? This is like historical fiction. Historical yeah, fiction. the plot. It's historical fiction. Oh. It's a it's a story of like the lost years of Jesus, like when he's a teenager. <gasps> Ooh, I like, love that. He works in brilliant, some brilliant stuff. I don't want to spoil it, so I can't talk about it. Oh, fabulous. Gosh, right this in the middle, singular, the height of the book? plot line is just like, when God boy, was a boy. Me, he had me going. Okay, okay. I don't think we've ever linked it before. Not on the not on the podcast. I've done it on my YouTube channel and and I did it on the social media stuff, but yeah, we can throw it in here. Yeah. Well, banner day when Marty's recommending a fiction. <laughs> it takes a lot, Few but that far was, between. He's a, got, he, yeah, Whaler's a good friend of ours, a uh, good Bayma friend, and I got a chance to visit him in Virginia. Good guy. Who? Whaler. That's that's his name. He goes by C T Chad, okay. but he goes by Whaler. Okay. Whaler. Mm-hmm. Got the inside scoop. There you go. All right.